Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. I remember um, getting married, obviously, getting married. Um, I got married in 2014, 15, 2015. January 2015, January 10th, 2015, I married my lovely bride. We were married for coming up to six years, coming up to six years. And Charlie is, if you know Charlie, she's an amazing woman of God, an amazing wife, and an amazing mum. And I I just, we went on the journey of venues and looking at costings and looking at menus and looking at what do we do for our wedding, where do we go, how many guests can we invite. That's always a hard one, isn't it? Because there's all these people you want to bring, but there's only, the budget can only, you know, for us, a certain amount. And we went down this journey of visiting different venues and different things and and being a wedding in January, it was going to potentially be hot, so I had my non-negotiables. And they were this. It was simple. We need to get married near the ocean. That was it for me because I didn't want my guests being in sweltering heat. I didn't want to be the sweaty groom. I wanted to be as less sweaty as possible. And I didn't want our guests having heat stroke. And so I just basically went, let's just stay near heat stroke like Andrew Watto's wedding, which I had. (laughs) If you don't know that story. That's a story for another time, I guess, but it's actually quite a funny story, but we'll we'll do that another time. But basically, we've done this journey, and we came, we found this place in Kayama, Kayama, um, the Seaborn in Kayama, if you know where the Seaborn is, and they have an outdoor kind of grass area and really beautiful building there, and the ocean was was right there. For me, the ocean was important because of the sea breeze in summer. And so I thought, let's have it in near the ocean so that at 4 p.m., was it 3 p.m. or 4 p.m.? I think, Charlie, you can remember? 3, sorry, 3 p.m., that the sea breeze would hit us and it would cool us down if it was a hot January day. Um, that week, I actually um, had invited um, some friends from overseas who were going to be groomsmen. And I had a friend from Europe flying over, two friends from Europe were going to come over, a friend from America... Uh, he was coming over, and I thought they're making such an effort for my wedding that we should do a week before the wedding away. So we, um, we, we went to a beach house together, and we spent the groomsmen spent a week leading up to our wedding. I didn't see Sharp for a week. We didn't even speak for a week leading up to our wedding uh, as part of our, let's just do that, and so when we see each other on the day, hey, we've gone from speaking every day literally for months and months to, I haven't spoke to you for a week. This is even more amazing. It was pretty cool, wasn't it, Charlie? Um, and basically, we're down at this beach house, and I looked at the weather a week out, and if you know me, I like to be planned with events. I've learned to be good with events. I'm good with run sheets. The run sheet for this wedding was six pages long. <laughs> I just wanted it to, not because I'm a bridezilla or a groomzilla, sorry. But <laughs> But because I wanted our guests to relax and not, nothing... Anyway, I've got a thought process with it. A week out, I checked the weather. 
And the weather app that I was using says, on the day of our wedding at 4 p.m., there is a 90% um, chance of rain, 20 to 40 mils at Kayama at 4 p.m. Sorry, 3 p.m., 3 p.m., sorry. When we got married, 3 p.m. And as you do, I found a second app. What does the second app say? The first app said, okay, okay, it's worse. It's 100% rain at 3 p.m. I'm going to go to a third app. I think I had like five apps on my phone and bookmarked websites on my phone. And I spent that week, and this is my only regret um, leading up to our wedding, probably once every half an hour, refreshing the page <laughs> in my phone, thinking that as we get closer, now sometimes you think, oh, it will change. So I might go, okay, um, 5 p.m. now, it's going to rain, it's been pushed back, or without exaggerating, it stayed, it got worse, got a 100% chance of rain, oh. two, two, 20 to 40 mils, which is a lot of rain, at 3 p.m., refresh, 3 p.m., refresh, 3 p.m. I think it went up to 40 to 60 mils at one point. I'm praying, I'm saying, God, you, I'm declaring over the weather. Jesus, if you can do it, you're in me. You can do it through me. I'm just, wind and the waves stop, you know, this type of thing. The groomsmen I'm with start teasing me. I've been eyes on his phone again, thinking I'm like texting Charlie. No, no, I'm just hitting refresh. <laughs> I'm just going, because we have an outdoor wedding and the venue said, oh, there's a backup venue, and it was terrible. Like, it was just like, this is not the wedding that we want. We want to be outside. This is the one day. We've taken the risk. Anyway, I was worried and stressed that week. And then we got to the day, and it was still terrible. That morning, it, the miracle had not happened. If anything, it had gotten worse. I couldn't speak to Charlie about it because we decided we're not going to speak. So I'm like trying to get, like, Nat, can you contact Charlie or contact Ian? Like, can you, what are we going to do? We have the wedding at 3 p.m. It's a beautiful day. There's a sea breeze. The girls show up 45 minutes late. And they're going, come on. Come on. The rains are coming. Come on. Thanks, Karen, for that. That was great. Uh, that was her fault. Um, do you remember that? We'll talk afterwards. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that? The car? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Anyway, these guys remember. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I forgive you, Karen. Um, so there, I'm refreshing. I'm refreshing. I'm refreshing. <laughs> it gets to 3... I think it was 3.35. The girls finally turn up. I'm like... By this time, we have like those... those things that after they flap in the wind, the flag... Whatever, there's a word. One had fallen. They drive in. One falls down. Nearly, nearly knocks out someone in the crowd. My brother's there. He was one of my groomsmen. He's a builder. So he's there. Somehow he got a hammer from somewhere and he's, or something. He's hitting it, trying to fix it. Uh, anyway. It goes. It, the wedding happens. The rain doesn't happen. We do our, our ceremony. We do our photos. And as soon as we finish our very last photo, a drop of rain hit. I'm not even exaggerating. And we get back to the venue, we get back inside, and as soon as we're inside, it just, the 40 mils just hits. 
and it's just torrential rain, and it lasted the rest of the night, just heavy, heavy rain. And I look back and I think, well, I think, thank you, Jesus. But secondly, I was the guy on my phone. I had friends who had flown all the way from overseas, around the world, and I'm there on my phone, distracted in the moment, because I'm worried and stressed about something which never even happened. And it took away, it actually robbed some of the joy from the overall moment, which could have been even, it was still joyful, but even more joyful, because I was living in a perceived reality that wasn't actually real. When it comes to our life right now, I want to just speak into this, that we live in an element and in an environment through COVID and through the way the world is, happened with the bushfires, it's happened with COVID, and it happened with flooding recently, where we're in a heightened sense of catastrophe. We're in this heightened sense of what is going to happen. Every night on the news recently, or for months now, it has been, here are the cases, here is the bad news, this many people are dying, this many... And it actually is a real concern. But as the people of God, we have to understand that our portion isn't fear. Our portion is peace. And so for a few minutes today, I want to speak into the heart and the spirit of this, that our normal isn't to live and partake in the anxiousness of the atmosphere over our cities but instead to understand that in the midst of a storm that Jesus still fell asleep in the boat. You see, when it comes to fear and peace, the difference is this, it's perception. Because one of the shows that I like watching on TV when it's on is Bondi Rescue. Anyone watch Bondi Rescue? And it's kind of weird because it's just like people get off the plane and they go to the beach, Bondi, and they go and they nearly drown. They're always internationals, and they're always, oh, I can't swim, I can't swim. I've never seen the ocean in my whole life. Like, <laughs> and then the Bondi rescue guys are there, and they're the heroes, and they dive in. and they. What's the difference between the local on their surfboard and the person who needs to be rescued? The difference is this. One doesn't know how to swim, and one sees the waves as fun. One sees the storm and the wave and the power as a joyful moment. The other sees it as a deathly moment. When the waves of your life hit, and they will hit, and they might be hitting right now, are you one of the local surfers who sees it as, I'm going to ride the wave? Or are you one of the tourists that is panicking, saying, I can't get above the swell? The reason why the Bondi Rescue lifeguards can help is because they live from a position of, we know how the storm works, we know how we can get out of this, we know what safety looks like, let's go in there and they rescue people, or local surfers will paddle over and rescue someone, because the same, you've got to realise, it's the same situation, but different perceptions. The wave is still real. The power is still there. The rip is still there. But the difference is is that one has a bigger mentality or a trained mentality 
they know how to swim, they know how to read rips, they know how to, and the other has no idea. And so when they get in the same circumstance, it's not like the wave was meaner to the tourist than it was to the local. It's that it's the same wave, but one knows how to ride it and one knows how to drown in it. (laughs) So we have the same waves hitting us, bang, at the moment. COVID, fires, droughts, uh, droughts, uh, flooding. Then we have these things, and the perception from many is, it's too much, it's overwhelming, I don't know what to do. It's triggering people with mental health, it's triggering existing issues because there's even more pressure. But then you have the Bondi rescuers who go, wait, we can see the wave, we can see the rip, and we can see, best of all, the shore. (laughs) And as Christians, if you're a Christian here, you are anchored to the shore, you aren't overwhelmed by the storm. At this pastor's breakfast, I was speaking to one of the pastors who was talking about how in Victoria there's been um, a 40% increase since COVID in suicide rates, a 50% increase in mental health uh, circumstances, 50% more. I don't know if you know, but in our local area, in the past two weeks, six young people have committed suicide. Six young people have committed suicide in the past two weeks. This is not something to take lightly. It is not something for us to gloss over. It is not something for us to shrink back and say, we can't do anything. We carry the hope of the world. And it is time for the church of God to stop being consumeristic for us and to start saying, we're going to put our light on the hill. Because we hear statistics and unfortunately we glaze over. We go, oh, yeah, that's really sad. But then we go, oh, what's the lunch? Little do we realize the pain that those six families are currently going through. This is a real pandemic And you see it with the government last week. All this extra funding is going towards mental health help, which is great. We need all the help we can get. But the church has to understand something. We come from a different perception. We see the wave, and to one, the disciples look like death, the storm looked like death, but to Jesus, it was the same waves that were rocking him to sleep. He was sleeping in the bottom of the boat while the storm hit. And the same storm, it wasn't a mean storm to the disciples, it was a nice storm to Jesus. There wasn't a victim mentality happening of, woe is me, the disciple, oh, Jesus. No, it was the same thing, but it was the power of perception. It was the power of trust. It was the power of kingdom. And I want to encourage you today, in the midst of the, one of the most volatile seasons we've had in recent history with COVID, you can be sleeping the best you ever have. The very waves that are hitting our society can be the very waves that are rocking you. With Bear, we have to sometimes rock him. If he's not settling, we rock him. And I think the rocking, his eyes just start to roll in the back of his head, and then bang, he's out. It's amazing. We're living all these little tricks right now with you, Florence. How do we get you to sleep? And so today, for a few minutes, I just want to speak to you about the power of peace. That there is a war over you and I right now when it comes to your peace. 
In 2 Timothy 1.7, if you've got your Bible, why don't you turn there? 2 Timothy 1.7. It says this. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. For God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. What a powerful verse. Now, let's just give you and me a bit of wisdom and insight. What fear does, fear actually affects those three areas in your life. It affects your power, it affects your love, and it affects your sound mind. You know, since, since COVID... I feel like some of the Christians I know have gone a bit weird. There are more people into conspiracy theories than I've ever seen. Especially when you don't have church for four months and everyone's having church online. I might go over here and I might look at this and I might go... And then people are getting these really weird thoughts. Because apostles such and such from over here is saying this and prophets such and such and this person and this and that and that and that. And there's a thousand voices... It is a season for us to know our convictions. And it's a season for the church. You know, the people who don't come back to church are the ones who, well, it's about me, I'm not going to, it's all... No, no, it's not about us anymore. Please understand the material... Bear is a baby. Bear is my son. Bear is saying, feed me, feed me, feed me. Change my nappy. Love me, love me, love me. All he can give is a smile. I'll take it. But even if he didn't smile, feed me, an adult, a.k.a. me, says, I will get the bottle, I will feed you. I will get the nappy, I will change your pooey nappy. I will get you out of bed in the morning. I will put you back to bed through the day. I'll put you back to bed. I do not expect you to be able to feed yourself, little four-month-old. I will feed you. Then we have people in churches. Phoebe, 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 change my nappy, put me to bed. I'm sad because I am tired. I don't like that. I'm going to be upset. I'm going to get negative. I'm going to get critical. It's all about what I want. Where are the adults in the room? Please get this, get this. Where are the ones in the room who say, I'm going to feed someone else? Because listen, and please get this, especially those who have been in church for more than 10 years, please get this. Why is it that we forget that spiritual babies still exist? Why aren't we asking Mark Maharab, how can I help with a new Christian course? How can I help feed the baby Christian? Phoebe, 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 I don't know my basics. I need... They've just been saved. They've just been birthed. They are born again. We need some adults in the room to say, I will put my hand up to help feed, change, look after, grow, mentor, disciple. I will be the adult in the room. Not a room full of spiritual babies wearing nappies. Please change me, please. Benaya, I didn't like that. Benaya, I like this. It's all about me, 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 me. It's like a little baby bird. Me, me. No. And please, if you get offended by that, it's because you're a baby. Honestly, mature people get this. Mature people get this. A mature Christian understands that the local church is an opportunity to take what they've gotten from the scripture, 
the meat of the word, the, the, the milk that they've learned, and say, hey, you're a new Christian, let me encourage you. Yeah. Hey, you're a new person, let me serve you. Yeah. Let me get on the door and help me greet. Let me get the host team and help me get the carpet ready. Let's do what we can to make sure the babies are looked after. I'm not speaking about babies today, but it's coming out of me for some reason. Because we have this pandemic in our nation where the Australian church is all about me, me, me. And it's not, it's about him. Yes. And if I remember correctly, Jesus got down on his knees and he cleaned his disciples' feet. But he was the king of kings and lord of lords. He was not too big to serve. He was not too big to even wash Judas's feet. He was not too big. He understood that the power of his worship was getting down with the betrayer and saying, even though you're going to betray me, I'm going to love you anyway. Yeah. Wow. And that is the heart of Celebration Church. Yes. Get involved. How can you help? Please, church, give us, give us a name for hampers of hope. We should be flooded with names. Your neighbours, your friends, your family, people in need, your local high school, your local principal, your local workplace, someone you know is going through tragedy, let's get hampers into their hands with encouraging notes saying, listen, Jesus loves you. Yes. <laughs> Not coming to the feast to feed and feed and feed. Yes. Just for me. Because what did it say in the wedding feast? It says, go out and compel them to come in. Yes. No, I'm okay, but I just want to sit in church and just eat. I just want the pastor to feed me. I just, uh, there's no worship, so I'm not going to come to church ever again until there's worship in here. Babies. Just babies. I'm I'm a living sacrifice. My worship is my life. Do Do I miss singing? Yes, I do. But hey, on the way in, I'm lifting up some ballads to God in the car. So how do we overcome fear? And by the way, all that just then was to do with a sound mind. Please don't be weird in this season. There is good weird and bad weird. Jesus was unusual and weird in a good way. Bad weird is religious weird. It's when you hear a whole sermon and the heart of it is beautiful and you hear one little word and you go, I'm so offended by that. Oh my, you get caught up. And one little thing and miss the whole spirit. Well, that's, what I, that's, that's, that's not what we're called to be. So how do we overcome fear, church? Well, 1 John 4, 18. Let's look at it on the screen. But it says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. When I went to Bible college, and I went to Bible college for three years, it was amazing three years, but I went up to college and it was a new environment, and I was a South Coast kid, didn't know anybody, this is a big college, and I was serving in church here on the weekends, I was youth pastoring here on the weekend, and I would drive to college in Sydney through the week. And I remember in my first two terms of that, how anxious I felt. I would get so nervous going to college. I would get so to the point where, because I'm an absolutely introverted person. And so going into a big environment with new people and, and everyone knows each other already and you feel like it's a new school type feel, 
In the meantime, I'm youth pastoring here. My team would have no idea. But internally, I had all this anxiety going on. To the point where I wouldn't eat. I would be so anxious. And I would just go up there and I would, I would go to class and I would put on, and I would put on this really extroverted face. I would meet as many people as I could and I would, I would compensate trying to go above and beyond. And through that, I made heaps of friends and it was great. But internally, there was a storm of anxiousness because yeah. I was insecure. What if no one likes me? What if I don't get into a good circle of friends? Is this very high school, really? And I remember two terms in, I was in worship and I felt the Holy Spirit just speak to me and say, I did not put you here to make friends. I put you here to encounter me. And I just had a moment, I just said, God, I'm sorry. I said, my motivation has been wrong. I've been coming up here making the, the I need to fit in idol, the thing that I worship. But ultimately, all that you want is for me to seek you. Yeah. You know what, as soon as I had that moment, everything changed. My anxiety went away, my insecurities went away, wow. I felt like, and then I just felt like friendships, with, and everything was just, everything just lined up because I came back to him. Yeah. The thing is, when we come back to God's love, fear has to dissolve. Yeah. Yeah. When you're loved, you feel secure. Last week, my wife, I was at home with, with Bear, but I heard Charlie heard, spoke an amazing message about, and part of it was, one point she made was uh, how fear and love, the difference is this, that love is natural, but fear is learned. And she used Bear as an example because, and, she's, she's, and I, if you missed it, basically from what I hear, she said, I'll go in and I'll pretend like I'm going to eat Bear. Like, like, Imagine, like, if I was a zombie type, like, you know, that type of like, wild animal. And he just goes, oh, this is great. Yeah, this is fantastic. Now, if I was, like, some wild dog about to eat him, it would be very, very different. But he wouldn't know any difference. He doesn't know fear. And by the grace of God, let's hold that off from his world for as long as we possibly can. He doesn't know what hurt is. He doesn't know what... Because he's been so surrounded by an atmosphere of safety. Yeah. And what happens in life, and we're all, we're all this, we get hurt, we get let down, we get disappointed. Someone does something and it damages us. And fear seeps in. And sometimes fear can seep in so deep that fear becomes louder than love. Yeah. And you know that fear is louder than love because fear cripples. Love compels, but fear will cripple you. And so what we have to do is come back to this. Holy Spirit, help me have a deeper revelation of the Father's love. It says here that love must be complete so that I no longer have fear. So if you're ever in a place where you feel fearful, let me just say this. Even if you feel like it's a naturally rightful thing to be afraid, come back to love. Because love in him denotes safety. Yeah? Now, this is one of those sermons that we love to hear, but it's hard to live in. (laughs) Because we go, yes, God, we want that, and then a storm hits us. A circumstance hits us. Basically, something out of our control comes, and we go, oh, my goodness, was my response going to be love or fear? 
So this is what I want to do for the next couple of minutes. It's just set the foundation of peace in you. Is that okay? Now remember this. Remember this. This is timely for our, our society. And please give this podcast to your friends if they struggle with fear, anxiety or worry. Listen. The most Google, oh, sorry, the most saved bookmark scripture on the YouVersion app, which is downloaded by hundreds of millions of people in the world last year, was Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends your understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. We are living in this epidemic, uh, pandemic, whatever it is, when it comes to fear and anxiety over our cities. But our foundation is peace. So here's some thoughts. Number one, take this to heart, and please don't be familiar with this because maybe your friend needs this. Number one, peace is a person. Peace is a person. It's not an emotion. Let's look at some scripture together. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to which one we're going to look at? Let's look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. I love this. Isaiah 9, 6. And while you're turning there, understand something. This is so cool. God is the source of peace, God alone is the source of your peace. The peace I'm speaking about is a supernatural peace. It is a peace that no one can give you but him. It is a peace that the world won't even experience unless they know him. And it says this, if you have that scripture, it says this. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of what? Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, which means he rules with peace. The Bible tells us that he is, our God is Yahweh Shalom, which means God is our peace. John 6.24 says, Gideon built an altar, and there he called it, the Lord is peace. Galatians 5.22 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Yes. When it comes to being someone full of the Holy Spirit, the fruits of God flow from you. Peace is yes. one we can often overlook, yes. but peace is a yes. person. Yes. So when Jesus enters the room, peace enters the room. Yes. When the Holy Spirit moves in a situation, peace moves yes. in a situation. Yes. Every night we have a routine in our house. Uh, it's, um, our son goes to sleep at quarter to six, maybe, six, six thirty-ish. But at five o'clock, the headlines come on. And if I'm home, I'll watch the headlines, thanks to Sandra Sully, and see what's happening. By the time the first ad comes, he's starting to get windy because it's his bedtime. So I, it literally, it's nearly, it's nearly clockwork. I take him to our bedroom, and for 20 minutes, between 20 past 5 and 5.30, we have our daily daddy-son chats. Now, a few weeks ago, you heard me speak about our morning chats. We have a night chat, too. 
And we sit there, and basically this chapter was more about me trying to stop him from getting upset because he's so tired. So I'm trying to keep him awake till 5.30 because 5.30 is bath time. So I'm there going, making noises, might do a dance with him, we might howl together for a bit, uh, I don't know, animal, animal noises, whatever I can to try and get him to keep the smile on his face. But by about 5.30, he just starts to get a little bit like, Ugh, come on, this is just taking, I'm over it, Dad, come on. So then I get him, pick him up, yes, like this, upside down, like this, Stops him crying, put him on the change table. Gives me 10 more minutes. Change table, he's there, new environment, awesome. Get him changed for the bath, or unchanged for the bath. And then I stand there, and every night I say this. I say, I declare over you, you are a man of love, joy, uh, sorry, healing, peace, and joy. In Jesus' name. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I'm like, you are a man after God's heart. And I declare over you favor. I declare over you angels ministering to you right now and through the night. I declare over you the presence of God. Yeah. This is great, Daddy. And then Charlotte walks in, I'm done. I'm done, I'm out. I'm out. She takes over for bath time. Although I think I'm going to be the bath person soon. I am declaring over him the reality of God. And even if he is having a bad day and he is crying, I still declare over him peace. Because the way that God sees it is that his portion is peace. And if Jesus, even though he is uh, my my son's a baby, if the Holy Spirit can still be with him, he can still bring his peace. Because he is the Prince of Peace. If you need more peace in your life, ask the Holy Spirit for a greater revelation of the love of God. More of you, Lord, less of me. Make me more aware of you in my life. I ask you to help me. I ask you to look after me. I feel struggling today. I feel like worry and stress is coming in, but Lord, I just look to you. You are the Prince of Peace. You are, you are Yahweh Shalom. You are God is our peace. Yes. Yes. The second thing is this. Peace is our inheritance. Come on. Yeah. on earth as it is in heaven. Is there any stress in heaven? Is there any fear in heaven? Is there any worry in heaven? No, there's not. Therefore, our normal needs to be the atmosphere of his peace. Yeah. In 2 Thessalonians 3.16, 2 Thessalonians 3.16, it says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way the Lord be with all of you. May the Lord of peace give you peace in all times and every way. In all times, church. In the times of COVID, may he give you all peace. In the times of unemployment rates going through the roof, may he give you peace. In the times of family going through the toughest season it's ever gone through, my God says, I give you peace at all times and get this even better in every way. And then it says, the Lord be with you. What is the key to peace? It's when the Prince of Peace is in the room. 
It's when the Prince of Peace is in the marriage. It's when the Prince of Peace is in the family. It's when the Prince of Peace is in the workplace. That's when the peace of God comes. In John chapter 14, 27, if you're writing notes, John 14, 27, it's up on the screen. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Jesus has promised for us today, I don't give it the way the world gives peace. I, I, I'm not medicating you the world the way it does. I'm not, I'm not, I don't work the way the world works. And, this, and by the way, the world is medicating itself through social media, through the career, through drugs, through alcohol, through whatever it might be. People are doing whatever they can to try and feel better through consumerism, through relationships. But peace comes from one person. Peace I leave you. Peace I give you. And not as the world gives it. So don't even compare it to the world. This is different. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Don't let your hearts be troubled, people. Psalm 29, 11. Psalm 29, 11. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. When you're a person of peace, you have strength. Which leads us on to our third. I only got four points. The third one is this. Peace is victory. Come on. Very good. Notice this. Peace doesn't bring you victory. Peace is victory. Yeah. <laughs> and you know this. If you've ever been in a situation in life where God just brings you supernatural peace in the midst of the most crazy storm. And the circumstance might be the same outwardly, but internally that peace just makes you go, it's all good. Everything's good. Everything is going to be okay. Victory has entered your heart. In Philippians 4, 6, if you've got your Bibles, turn there because it's worth us looking at together. Peace is victory. So when you're going for the breakthrough... Look for peace. And that's what made Jesus sleep in the bottom of the boat in the storm, was that he had peace in the midst of the storm. Because this is what we often pray. God, destroy the storm so I can have peace. Give me that pond-type, no-waves, nice situation, God. And God says, that's not, the, that's not what you need. You need to get my peace in the storm. Yeah. Because then when the next storm comes, you're not going to be as stressed out. Yeah. Wow. If you can find peace in the most tragic seasons of life, you become unstoppable. Yeah. 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 Literally. Yeah. You become a rock. Yeah. You become someone who can't be shaken. Yeah. If you can learn, and we're going to look at it, Philippians 4, peace in the midst of trials... Nothing will shake you or it becomes so liberating. I love this. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. If you're a student here, don't worry. Don't be anxious about your HSC or TR or whatever it's called these days. If you're, if you're, if you're in a situation in your family, in your health, in, in, in your finance, don't stress. It achieves nothing. It actually achieves things you don't want. Another subject. 
but it leads to illnesses. It leads to grey hairs. Maybe you like grey hairs. I don't know. It leads to, it leads to frown lines. <laughs> Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It is the formula. It's what God gives us. It goes beyond, hey, Jesus, the boat is falling apart. I'm a fisherman. Peter's saying, I've done this my whole life. I know what storms do to boats, Jesus. And Jesus says, why did you wake me for my nanana? And I love it because it's like he's annoyed at the disciples. It's like, what are you doing? What did you wake me up for? That was the best. That rocking was amazing. You want me to stop the storm? If I stop that storm, I lose my rocking. I like the rock. It puts me to sleep. Okay, Peter, for you I'll do it. But just trust God next time. Hey, when Jesus was walking in the storm on the, on the waves... Do you think he was freaking out? I don't think Jesus was. I reckon Jesus was body surfing down those waves. I reckon he was just like, and they're like, is that a ghost? Is that, is that, is that Jesus? Is it a ghost? The waves are too big. He's just having fun on the waves. And it's the disciples who are freaking out. And these were the, these were the Christians, these are the ones who wrote the Bible. And they were freaking out. Peter steps out of the boat. Different story again. Or maybe it's the same. He walks on the water. Come on, come out. It's the same story. Come out. Come on, Peter. Come out. Come out to me. I'm not getting in that boat. The waves are way funner. Come on, Peter. Come out. He has his eyes fixed on Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Yeah. He sees that. He goes, okay, I'm going to walk in. We give Peter a hard time. I don't know anybody else has walked on water. Even if it's a few steps. Yeah. Done better than most of us. Yeah. <laughs> Where's your faith, Peter? Walked up two steps, boy. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> and he walks on the water, but then he takes his eyes what off the Prince of Peace, yeah. Yeah. and he puts it on the waves. Yeah. This is all about perception. Yeah. But how do we get a higher perception? Be anxious for nothing, but in every situation, prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. Thank you, God. And the peace of God, which transcends your understanding. You don't need to understand the waves. You don't need to understand the boat. You need to understand me. Well, guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Your heart and your mind. Your heart and your mind. The last thing is this. Peace is precious. So don't allow it to be stolen. Peace is precious. It is like a pearl. You have to guard it. There is a war over your peace. Don't allow your circumstance. Don't allow people. Don't allow disappointment. And don't allow a lack of understanding to rob you of your peace. Because if you're not guarded, they will. Circumstances will rob you. People will rob you. Disappointment will rob you and a lack of understanding will rob you. Fight the war for your peace. 
We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.